Bay Movie Fans, and welcome to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 8, I believe. I am your host, Nate, with my co-host, Josh. Josh, you ready to talk movies? Always. Always ready. Um, it seemed like it was going to be a slow news week, and then it kind of picked up um, over the past few days, but... Uh, before we get into the movie news, I kind of wanted to just briefly touch on a big thing that's kind of been going around that's that's kind of been sticking to my mind lately. Um, so we like to talk movies here, but Josh and I are also big wrestling fans, and Josh can kind of guess where this is going. Um, yeah. On Monday, the wrestling world was dealt a really big blow of Roman Reigns, their golden child, their guy that they've been building the franchise around for four years, came out on Monday Night Raw and said that he was going to be taking some time off, didn't say how much, and it was due to leukemia coming back. He has been dealing with this for the past 11 years. Um, Yeah, so this kind of, I don't know why, but it's just been sticking with me. I have not been the biggest fan of the character of Roman, but I have no issue with um, the man of Joseph Anawahi and I don't know, just thoughts and prayers go out to him. Um, hope to see him sooner rather than later. And that, man, it's just rough. Yeah, but it is a big... It's rough. And I can only imagine, because this is, if I remember right, he because he got diagnosed with leukemia in, when he was 22, and then it went into remission, and has been in remission for this long. So it's it's got to suck to – I can't even imagine what it would be like to have almost 20 years of being like, well, I guess I'm okay now, and then it come back with a vengeance. Yeah, so we like to talk movies, but this was a kind of a big issue that came up, and I just wanted to kind of briefly touch on it, say – our thoughts and prayers go out to Roman and his family in this tough time. And Roman, you better whoop its butt and come back better than ever. You got a lot of people cheering for you, myself included. So uh, let's let's dive into some more optimistic news now that we've gotten that out of the way. Um, well, I say optimistic. It isn't if you're Marvel. Last week we talked about Iron Fist getting canceled. And now it looks like Luke Cage is following suit. I'm not going to lie, Josh. I laughed when I heard this. I totally did, too. And however, I think the main reason is because I think I see what they're trying to do. I <laughs> I think they're, go- they're trying to make room for a Heroes for Hire TV show. Nope. And so, I don't think so. Really? You think they're just canceling a lot, right? Yes. I think if one of them stayed around, I think they would have. Um, But I think with Disney's streaming service on the horizon, I think that's what they're kind of aiming for and kind of trying to save up those characters. Also, well, I don't know about Luke Cage, but Iron Fist wasn't really received very well. I think Luke Cage fared a little bit better, but I... I did think the Heroes for Hire thing of maybe they're combining the shows into one show. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think they're just out and out gone. And with this happening, I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and say in the next two to three weeks, Jessica Jones is going to cancel too. I would say I, would, I think Defenders is next. Okay. I, th- I thought that already was confirmed, but if not, I completely agree. Yeah, it, I think it'd be Defenders, then Jessica Jones, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is the season of Daredevil. Yeah, supposedly season three is good, but I, I can totally see this being the final season of Daredevil, and then whether or not it gets picked up um, for the Disney streaming service or not it remains to be seen. I don't really know. Yeah. Um, yet, yeah. the, all these Marvel characters in the Netflix world have just kind of been in this awkward state of, like, Schrodinger's cat, of they exist, but they don't exist. Um, yes. And it's... I don't know how to make this out, really. It's... Other than, I just find it really funny that everyone's laughing at, oh, Iron Fist canceled, and then everyone turns and goes, oh, what are you laughing at, Luke Cage? 
Yeah. And then, yeah, it's, I wouldn't be surprised. And I think the sad thing would be that Daredevil would be the only one of those shows that, in my opinion, did really well and doesn't deserve to be canceled. But it will most likely get, get kind of, get to boot. I don't know about canceled, but more or less just um, sent to the Disney streaming service, like I said before. Um, but yeah, um, I had no real attachment to Luke Cage, so I'm not really that torn up about it. I, it's more just like, really, Netflix or Disney Netflix, get your crap together. Stop canceling shows and just make quality stuff. Or, you know, yeah. don't. You don't really care at this point, do you, Disney? Well, um, let's move on to something actually positive, A Quiet Place 2. Now, this was already confirmed a while back after this wildly humongous success of the first A Quiet Place, which I still claim is the best movie of the year so far. I loved A Quiet Place. Um, We knew it was coming out. However, it was confirmed this week that John Krasinski, the director of the first A Quiet Place, is coming back to write the sequel a quiet place too now we don't know if he's returning to direct or who these characters what the film is going to follow character wise whether we stick with this family or new family or what the story will be i'm just excited that he's coming back in some capacity yeah oh absolutely because he he's got such a heavy hand on the first one that it, it would be really really hard to not bring him back at all in any capacity for the second one he was more or less the secret ingredient as to why it worked as well as it did, I think. Him and Emily Blunt's chemistry. Uh, oh, I agree. And, like, their chemistry, John's chemistry with all the kids, and just, I I think he, this kind of came out of nowhere for everyone because John's been trying to do some dramatic, and nothing really before this has really worked at all. Not to toot my own horn, but um, so every year on the main Uncharted Media YouTube channel, I do a predictions video, and I actually pegged that A Quiet Place would do really well and be really good, just because the trailers wowed me, so I kind of went all out on that limb, so I'm mm-hmm. still proud of myself that I was able to get that much at least correct in my predictions, yeah. um, but I, even I couldn't have guessed how much of a knack Krasinski seems to have for directing, so I don't know if he's coming back to direct it. We just know he's writing for now. I hope he comes back to direct, because I I think he really has a special gift for direction and for horror. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think t- part of me is not surprised because of what we saw from him in the office. His timing and everything that he does was too good for him to not have, not be doing that kind of thing on purpose. So I, I think he's got a knack for a lot of things. And, I'm, you know, maybe he, he's going to be the next big horror director. But who knows? I'd, I'd be so down for that. We're already in a horror renaissance, so just add another fantastic director to the likes of Mike Flanagan um, and all the uh, Andy Muschietti and all those guys. Mm-hmm. Well, transitioning from horror to comic books, we now have interesting news, I believe, in regards to Wonder Woman 2 or Wonder Woman 1984. Um, It's getting delayed, even though it's finished filming and everything. It's getting delayed from November 2019 to June 5th, 2020. Now, there's pros and cons to this. Josh, what is your initial reaction to Wonder Woman getting such a significant delay? Yeah. Um, part of me, my first reaction would be, okay, well, DC has been doing a lot of cutbacks, a lot of replanning, reshifting things, so that might be a thing that they're, they're trying to go for. Also, the move from, to move that movie from June to Feb, Oh, sorry, from February to June. November to June. November to June. Either way, I it's think a big a gap. It's, it is a big gap, and but it puts it more in the summer movie season than it does the you know that that end of the year. Um, I don't know. Like, 
I don't think it's a it's a move that says that they're nervous about it. But at the because they finished filming and they're not reshooting, so what are they doing with all that time? I don't know. I yeah, I'm kind of I have mixed feelings about it. Of maybe they have. I see. I would like to say maybe they have some secret projects, but nothing can be filmed in secret and be released that quickly that it's just going to be like, oh, hey, it's here to take Wonder Woman's spot in 2019. That's not going to happen. That means the only Mm -hmm. DC movie... mm, Okay, there's two DC movies coming out next year then with Shazam and then Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. One of them being in the actual DC universe, one being an Elseworlds story. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd like to think this is a positive because the first Wonder Woman was so well-received. I think DC is kind of getting a little ahead of themselves and is going, all right, the first one did really, really well. We're going to position this as a prime player in summer blockbuster season. I think that's more their rationale than this movie's bad. We need to push it back. Looking at New Mutants and Dark Phoenix. Yeah. No, I would agree. And, like, I I definitely see more positive than negative with this situation. I mean, the only negative thing I can think of would be to, you know, leave time for reshoots if they need it during the editing process. But I don't know. I don't know why you would intentionally give yourself that much more time Well, without, without anything planned. There is a precedent for this of Batman v Superman finished super early in its filming and had a lot of time in the editing bay before it was even released. And uh, I don't know if that helped or hurt it. I don't know if that movie could have been saved either way. I think this is more just a ploy of Warner Brothers being really, really super confident in this movie and wanting to position it as a summer blockbuster and make a... I don't know if it make a statement is the right choice of just like a female led superhero movie is in the prime summer season. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's what they're going for, which good on them. Cause I think Wonder Woman is, if they do it to the level of the first one, it is going to bring in the big bucks and good for them right now. Wonder Woman is the most consistent thing in the DC universe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I would agree. Uh, also, but yeah, I think the, the, from the end of this, this it's just us like, well, that's 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 you guys do what you want then. Yeah, it's still a long ways off at this point. But yeah. also, is this the most we've agreed on an episode so far? I feel like we're on the same page for a lot of the stories so far. I agree. Like normally, you're on one side, and I'm like, mm, I'm not gonna say you're dumb, but I'm not gonna agree with you. <laughs> now that might change with this next story. Um. So, I don't know where these rumors came from, but um, earlier this week, there was speculation that LeBron James, yes, the LeBron James, and his production company, which I didn't even know he had a production company, if I'm being honest, is going to be rebooting the Friday the 13th franchise. Discuss! Okay. <laughs> um, I I don't know what to say. Honestly, I I genuinely don't know what to say because I didn't again. I I didn't know that he had a production company. So there's that. Also, I mean, I guess if you want a cheap, <laughs> if you want to keep up that that uh cheap remake thing for for terrible horror movie slashers, and I guess, you know, get a production company that hasn't put out anything. I, I'm nervous to say that, that, that last section, just because I, I didn't even know they existed, so they could have put out stuff, and I just didn't know about it. Were they the guy, did they, were they responsible at all for Uncle Drew? Because didn't that have a bunch of NBA players in it? I, I did, but the, uh, Uncle Drew was based on a commercial. Um, of, I think a Pepsi commercial series that was absolute gold. And so they, they took from that. That's why there's tons of NBA players because that was in, in the same thread as what the commercials did. Who but, made um, Uncle Drew? 
I have no idea. I'm no clue. Well, to be honest, the Friday the 13th part of this, I yes. when I saw it, I was like, well, duh. With the success of Halloween, it seemed inevitable that other people mm-hmm. would want to drag up old slasher franchises and kind of bring them back and see if they can leech off the success of Halloween and kind of be like, oh, let's see if it works for other slashers. Um, Robert Englund from Nightmare on Elm Street says, oh, maybe I got one more left in me. Uh, I, I don't know if I see that, but the LeBron James part of it is the surprising thing. He supposedly is a huge fan of horror. Um, I've become a Friday the 13th fan. Halloween will always be my go-to horror franchise, but I, I can casually enjoy the Friday the 13th. I have them all on Blu-ray. I've watched them all. I get some enjoyment out of them. I would like to see more Friday the 13th, especially from a modern audience. LeBron James's production company is not the one that I thought of when I think about this. I've thought about Blumhouse being the one to do exactly. a Friday the 13th, and that makes me really excited. That being said, I'm not entirely opposed to it. The Where the story gets weird to me is there are some reports that LeBron will be working with Victor Miller. Now, if you don't know the name... He's the one that just won the Friday the 13th lawsuit. What? The writer of the first film, which this whole Friday the 13th situation is so muddied and confusing. It's just bizarre. So recap of a previous episode. You can't use anything from Friday the 13th, the first film. However, almost everything iconic about the series, Jason with the mask, Jason being the killer... Uh, the hockey mask, the machete, all that comes in the sequels. So that's all fair game. You just can't call it Friday the 13th. So why do you want to get, bring back the guy that more or less is responsible for the first one and responsible for the reason why we're in such a mess to begin with? To be fair, I'm not blaming Victor Miller at all. It is not his fault that he wants the money that is rightfully owed to him. It's just yeah. this is a muddled situation, and it's super weird. Throw LeBron into the mix? I remember I showed this to some people at work and were like, yep, this takes the headline for the weirdest headline we're going to see all week, if not all month. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> and I don't even know how this, how this would work. And to take a, a phrase, a detested phrase of that from our favorite wrestling company, uh, it's like we're living in bizarro land and like Victor is randomly friends with LeBron James and they were just like, hey, do you want to remake Friday the 13th? It's, yeah. It's like you Jeez. just drew a random card in Cards Against Humanity and these are the ones that you pick. Like, yeah. yeah. LeBron yeah, yeah, yeah. James with the Friday the 13th franchise. And hey, as long as he doesn't try to star in it, I think we'll, we'll, we can make it work. Even if he does, if he's the first camper killed off by Jason in the movie, I think that could be entertaining, actually. <laughs> Just random, like LeBron James as a high school student. <laughs> no, camp counselor. Oh. Okay, well, yeah, we can, oh, we can work. With it's this. a summer yeah, camp for basketball. No, get out. No, we're done. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Hey, we're already we're getting done. Space Jam 2, man. He's he's uh, reaching out and acting. That yeah. L.A. lifestyle is getting to him, man. Get out of here. He just saw once. Uh, he saw one guy spit on somebody, and he was like, I need some violence in my life. Well, <laughs> get out of here. Anyway. <laughs> moving from one slightly less franchise to another... Slightly less violent franchise to another. Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, apparently, Disney is keen to reboot this already. Because each yeah. film has been getting diminishing returns. Um, but they also want to reboot it with the writers of the Deadpool movies. Um, where are these headlines coming from this week? It, it It's a jack... Jumbled up bag of what this week? Like, some of these headlines are just bizarre. Not as weird as the previous story, but this is another one that's like, leaves me scratching my head. Not that it's a bad idea, it's just random. 
It is. I would agree. I think. Oh man. Ooh, got a yawn going on. I apologize. It's um, a boring story. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> Get out of here. Um, if anything, I think it's too soon. The, I completely the, uh, agree. Again, I, I yeah, we gotta stop this, man. We gotta disagree on thing tonight. It's or uh, well, this is just gonna be weird. Um, but I think it's too soon. The other one was actually fairly good. I would put that in my top top three of uh, pirates movies. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, um, it, the, it hasn't been that long since um, the last one. And just because the last one didn't do well financially as well as the others, I'm sure it still made money. And just because it didn't do as well doesn't mean you have to, like, completely start over. Oh, I agree. And I think a reboot is a terrible idea because reboot suggests you're going to just recast everybody. And you're seriously going to look me in the face and tell me that you're going to recast Jack Sparrow and we're going to accept it. No, get out of here. Just do a different story. Like you do, there's other pirates other than Jack Sparrow like, and, and Orlando Bloom. I know it's not his name. I don't care. He'll always be Orlando Bloom. That's just, that's just who he is. Um, that's actually yeah. kind of where I was going to go with it. Of I'm not opposed to more Pirates of the Caribbean movies. So long as it's not the characters we have. I want more Pirates-related movies, but they don't necessarily have to fall under the umbrella of Pirates of the Caribbean, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, yeah, it makes total sense. Because, yeah, like, you're going to try to recast all these beloved characters that we have. Like, it's just not, it's not going to work. Now, granted, you're going to come in here with the Deadpool writers and... I don't know, man, because it, Deadpool 2 was a lot of fart and piss jokes, so it's just kind of like, okay. Yeah, I I want more classic swashbuckling adventure stories like pirates, treasure hunting. Yeah, Combine the two. Make a Treasure Island movie. It's been forever since we've had one of those. Um, make a live... Uh, Disney, if you're going to remake you know, live-action movies, how about a live-action Treasure Planet? Let's I do was that. Just about to say that, that and yes, awesome. just yes, that would be awesome. You have Joseph Gordon-Levitt <sighs> come back as Jim Hawkins. Easy, no plan. He might be. No, that guy doesn't age. What are we saying? He really doesn't <laughs> age. Just all I ask is bring back Goo Goo Dolls for that one song. Yeah, exactly. That's all That's, that matters. Just, just, just replay it. Just, just don't even change anything. Just. Just play that in the, in the, in the new movie. <laughs> but yes, I, I want more Pirates-related movies, um, just not Pirates of the Caribbean necessarily. It is too soon. I've heard some people say, it's too soon to reboot Friday the 13th. Um, It's not. It actually has been almost 10 years since we've got the last Friday the 13th. Whereas yeah. Pirates, correct me if I'm wrong, we got one last year. That's what I was thinking is that it was last year. Where, yeah. <laughs> Friday the 13th, it's been longer than people realize. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Pirates, too soon. We want Pirates themselves, but not necessarily um, Pirates of the Caribbean. Now, for our yeah. last news story of the day, it may take the cake for the most jumbled and random, but um, we are getting another SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Mm. Yippee skippy, I guess. Um, yeah. And because it's the new buzzword, it's going to be an origin movie. Yay. But, but here's where the weird part is. Of all the news that we can confirm at this time about the movie, besides that it's an origin story, we know it's going to be composed by Hans Zimmer. I'm so glad we got that out of the way. <laughs> Hans, Hans didn't want to do any more superhero movies, but he's still really down with S-words. So, like, you know... so. He decided to But aren't there superheroes on Spongebob? Don't talk to me about misconceptions. I'm just... I don't care anymore. This week has just been so weird as far as, like, news stories. Like, sure, why not? Let's have Hans Zimmer 
<laughs> to pose a score for an origin movie for Sponge. What's an origin movie for SpongeBob even gonna look like? I don't even know what's going on anymore. Unless, unless the sponge is somehow connected to David Hasselhoff from Baywatch, which makes his cameo in the first SpongeBob movie make all the sense in the world. But just, I'm still getting my head around when this news story came out that we were getting a SpongeBob movie. It was like SpongeBob movie with SpongeBob origin movie coming out with Hans Zimmer scoring. It's like. Okay, one of these things doesn't belong. You can have Hans Zimmer score your movie later, sure. That's not something you normally announce with a film. That'd be like um, a Nightwing movie coming out next year, even though it never will, and it'd be like, this film's going to be edited by so-and-so. Like, okay. Why do we care? Like, Oh, that's supposed to interest me. Sure, okay. Because normally, when you and when you announce movies, it's like it's going to be written by this person or directed by this person. But like, uh, I don't know. We don't even know who's directing or writing this movie. But thank goodness we know Hans Zimmer's involved with the music. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I'm not a fan of SpongeBob. But I watch it, and there's parts of it that I find very funny, and that I quote. But honestly, I can see them making a Hans Zimmer score work and making it absolutely hilarious. Oh my gosh. Something like <laughs> super epic and majestic like Lion King or Gladiator, yes. except with SpongeBob. Yes. I'm not going to lie. I'd be kind of on board for that. I did not yeah, watch a whole lot of SpongeBob so growing up, funny. but... It, it's such a weird pairing, man. <laughs> it really is, but it could. I can now that I'm like thinking about it, it it could totally work, and it'd be really, really funny. But again, why is that the thing you announce with your movie? Not the director or the writer, or even who will be voicing characters besides SpongeBob, but Hans Zimmer's doing the music. Yep. Just. It's been a weird news day, man. You you ready to move on to this, some discussion instead? I have my hype train. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's, let's move on to that. That's our discussion. To the, uh, this this episode is sponsored by Dr. Pepper. It's next to my desk. <laughs> it's what I'm drinking right now. <laughs> that's, that's Dr. Pepper's new slogan. It's next to my desk. I guess I'll drink it. <laughs> it's there. There's nothing else in the machine. <laughs> oh, um, but man. so we are kind of slowly, not slowly. We're getting towards the end of October, wrapping up the Halloween season. So we think every year there's those classics that people watch. You got your Halloween, your Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, it. Uh, what about those ones that don't get all the attention? Not necessarily horror, but a horror movie or a Halloween-related movie. That's what we're going to discuss today of some of the most underrated and underappreciated films in horror and Halloween. I'm going to start us off with one that I know both of us will agree with, and we scream loudly in the streets that more people need to see, 1408, the most underappreciated Stephen King movie I think there is. Bro, like... I don't like John Cusack as what? an actor. As an actor, I'm not, not in general. In general, I'm not a really big fan of him. Now, I happen to think he's absolutely incredible in this movie. And I mean, I don't even tell people that Samuel Jackson is in this because I mean, he's not really in it. He's there, but it's mainly John it. Cusack. Exactly, and like. Literally, it, the movie's just you sticking John Cusack in a room and having fun. Like, that's it. That's the movie. Go. It's, it's it doesn't sound exciting, but it no, is. It doesn't. And that's the problem, is when you're trying to tell somebody about the movie, it's like, all right, so, so John Cusack is a, as a horror writer, and he wants to go explore all these different sites, and he's known for proving them to be frauds. So he hears about this room in a hotel in, I think it's New York, right? 
Yes, and not Maine. Woo! Woo! Um, although he makes quite a few cracks at Maine because they have a lot of horror attractions that are also yeah. Play. Um, but he and he just goes to a hotel to spend the night, and this movie is based on that on what happens on that night, and that's that's the movie, and it doesn't sound really that interesting, but what happens is absolutely incredible. Some of the best camera work, best acting, some of the best story that I think to me it's better than most quote-unquote classic horror movies. I think it's also very subtle in its storytelling. I didn't even realize this, and I've seen it a dozen times already. Um, There's a great video on YouTube that I saw a few weeks ago that made the analogy that essentially the story of 1408 is just Dante's Inferno, and John Cusack's character is going through the different levels of hell. And upon further review and the examples that this creator gave in his video... Yeah. It's hard to disagree with uh, this yeah. eternal torture and just things that are brought up in John Cusack's character's past. It's really, really well done in a well-crafted yeah. movie. Yeah, and even thinking about that because of things, certain things and positions that he's put in towards the end of the movie lines up very well with the end of Dante's Inferno. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, okay. I'll I'll send you the link if I can find it again. It's a really thought out and really well done video. Um, another one, actually, I'm just gonna throw out this old director, um, because I believe all of his stuff is criminally underrated. But thankfully, he's getting some attention thanks to the new Netflix show, um, uh, Haunting on Hill House, I believe it's called. Uh, director yeah, Mike Flanagan has not one but two fantastic movies that if you have not seen. Absolutely check them out. Uh, they are Oculus and Hush. Ooh. One is on, I think both of them are on Netflix. And Ooh. oh my gosh, Josh, which one do you want to talk about first? Uh, let's talk about Hush first. Oh, Hush is the reason I want Mike Flanagan to direct a Halloween movie. Oh, yes. Because it, and, basically the killer could be Michael Myers. That's it. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, like, let's, let's, this, this, this adds to this conversation you and I have been having this month of this horror renaissance that we're in and this understanding of directors are starting to get that it's not necessarily just the killer that you have to make awesome. It's the atmosphere of the movie. It's the idea you drag your audience into the world of your character. And like that's literally what they do with Hush. Is yeah, so just, for those... For those unfamiliar, Josh, kind of give us a brief synopsis on Hush. Uh, Brief synopsis, uh, your main character is deaf, um, which obviously in a horror movie that has a slasher can cause a lot of issues. Um, She lives out in the the woods by herself because she's a writer and so she wants to be by herself to write, which makes sense. It sounds kind of dumb when I'm black yet, but they make it make a lot of sense. Um, there's other reasons why she's living out there. Uh, and, uh, she, if I remember right, she accidentally wit- witnesses something. Um, I don't think, she, no, I don't know if she witnesses no, no, no. firsthand, but she no, 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 sees yeah. the killer. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of happens in her vicinity and the killer decides to try to have some fun and, you know, then the movie ensues. It more or less just is an hour and a half long of just one-on-one. There's not a lot of side characters that get killed off, so I don't even know if I want to call it a slasher because not a lot of people die just because there's not a lot of people. It more or less is a one-on-one encounter, but I think this, more than a lot of other horror movies I've seen, maybe except for A Quiet Place, we keep bringing it up again, this movie has excellent sound design. Uh, There'll be a couple different scenes where you get in the character's perspective, the main character's perspective, and all the sound dips out, and then it'll dip back in once you get a third-person perspective. Um, Like, she'll be standing there, and you'll see the killer knocking on the door, beating on it repeatedly to try and get her attention to mess with her, but she pays no attention because she's deaf. Um, And we won't tell you how she ultimately um, wins the day, but it it fits her character, who is an mm-hmm. author who thinks out several scenarios ahead of time 
to stay alive, but also her deafness is brought in to the finale and in a very clever and unique way. It's just really well done, and the sound design is pitch perfect. The, the cinematography is outstanding. The two main yeah. performances of our protagonist and antagonist are outstanding. I, I can't recommend Hush to enough people. No, I agree. And I think that its strength, too, is that it is just an hour and a half. It doesn't try to go dwell too deep into its characters. Like It gives you just enough to understand who, who they are and what the what you're kind of supposed to expect. And then, in some ways, flips the expectations on its head. Yeah, it's perfect length. Doesn't overstay its welcome. Doesn't undercut anything. It's the perfect length. Um, on the flip side, Mike Flanagan's other movie, I think, is just as good, if not better. I wouldn't say it's one of those straight-up terrifying ones, but it's more terrifying in the things that it implies. And that is yeah. Oculus, a.k.a. The terrifying mirror one. Mm-hmm. With uh, the actor's companion. <laughs> yeah, uh, with Nebula from Guardians of the Galaxy and new Robin from Titans. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, I don't know either. But Both yeah, those guys are great in this movie. Oh, this movie is fantastic. I, I will say my only quip that I have about this movie is I felt like I needed to watch it twice. And I, I've watched it multiple times, but um, I watched it a second time, and everything, and, and this was upon the second watch for me, everything was so much better. Not to oh. say it was bad the first time, but I felt like I caught more and I understood more the second time. It's a weird analogy, and this could just be me reaching for it, um, but... I think it's kind of almost like the inception of horror movies of there's a lot of different layers that make up the narrative that once you see it and you go back, it makes a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. Not that it doesn't make sense on the palm of first watch, but you see more in depth on the layers. Yeah. Like catch more things. The story yes. makes more sense because there are layers within layers within layers of this story. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and l- like you said, like it's it it just ah oh, crap. I lost my thought. Oh well, moving on. <laughs> yeah, Oculus is just really well done. Just when you think you are starting to get a hold of what's going on, it'll do a complete one eighty and flip you around so you are on your toes the whole time, just like the cast, and it's. So well done, so excellent, and yeah, like we said, I think it's still on Netflix, but with Netflix ever-changing roster, I don't know, but if it's there, yeah. absolutely check it out. And, oh yeah, uh, I will say, it, it. unlike some horror movies, it doesn't flip the script for the sake of it. Like, it doesn't just go, alright, so you think we're going this way, we're going the other way, just because we can. Like, there's, there's reasons for it. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so... If you aren't, if you don't want to be scared silly, what are some more light-hearted things in the world of either horror or <laughs> Halloween or just something to watch around October-ish? I got one that I was introduced to recently, and I'm still to this day kicking myself I didn't see it sooner. Josh is probably knowing where I'm going with this. That yep. is Tucker and Dale versus Evil. God bless this movie. This is wonderful. Oh, good night. This this is just a good time. If I mean, well, if you're a horror fan, this movie is a fantastic time. What is Tucker and Dale versus Evil, Josh? Uh, two brothers. Uh, I forget how they acquire the house in the woods, but they keep the house like inheritance or something. Yeah, it's it's they, something happens. Not, not nothing shady or anything like that, but they're two very like hillbilly esque kind of guys, and they get a house, and they so they go to this house, and they try to you know get it up to up to to steam, and they try to you know to, get it up to code more or less. Yeah, just they, make it a summer home yeah, for they, themselves. Exactly, and but along with this story is also a group of teenagers going camping in the woods for, you know, for the summer or whatever, you know? And so, like, these two stories collide, and there's hilarious miscommunications and misunderstandings that lead 
to some of the most gruesome deaths I think I have ever seen. But in hilarious fashion. Without dipping into spoilers, there's a scene where a kid literally jumps headfirst into a wood chipper. (laughs) Why would would anybody do that? I don't understand. (laughs) But the thing is, the rednecks this time are the good guys. Not only are they the good guys, to be honest, these are two of the most likable and relatable characters I've seen in a horror movie in a long time. Like, I love both Tucker and Dale. They are great. Their chemistry is so spot on. You buy that these guys have been friends for their whole lives, essentially. Oh, yeah. And, like, you buy that they're, they're so whole, like, good-hearted and so wholesome and you feel their horror when all of this stuff happens and they're like we just we just wanted to make a summer home (laughs) uh it's it's it has so many different types of comedy in it and it's just really well done it plays on typical horror tropes of It's got all the typical things you'd expect from a horror movie, but from a different perspective, which is always nice to get. And that's where a lot of the comedy comes from. It's very young Frankenstein-esque in that true and good parody comes from echoing its source material as close as possible. Young Frankenstein works as a comedy because it echoes so much of Frankenstein. This works because it echoes so much of those backwoods, hillbilly, redneck slasher movies that have come along. But you like the rednecks this time, and they're 100% innocent. And it's just really well done, really hysterical, a solid cast all the way around. They've well, been talking about doing a sequel for a long time, and I really hope it happens at some point. All the cast wants to do it. They seem to still be on good terms, all of them. It's a wonderful movie. Um, well, and I think I think the thing about it, too, is we talk about how hilarious it is, but they, like, pull the carpet out from under you towards the end. And it all of a sudden turns into an even more interesting horror film. Because they add another layer outside of the uh, outside of the comedy. Yeah, um, it's just it's very different and quirky, but the characters have so much charm to them that you can't help but like them and just want to stay with them and just enjoy the ride while you can. Uh, Absolutely. Now, now this next one, I've been insisting to Josh that he see for a long time, but. <laughs> admittedly this movie is kind of hard to find but if you can it buy it on the spot so for those of you that like thor ragnarok this film is directed by the same guy taika watiti who i love this guy's work uh he did this movie that i think is perfect for a halloween season called what we do in the shadows essentially picture the office style mockumentary style humor mixed with 21st century Australian vampires living in an apartment together. It is wonderful. See, I'm on board. Just you explaining the movie to me. I'm like, yeah, I'd watch the crap out of that. It is but so good. I, I can't find it. It's I, 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 it's really frustrating, actually. So, um, Korg in Thor Ragnarok is direct is voiced by the director Taika Waititi. Imagine essentially three Korgs living in an apartment and they're vampires. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm so down for this movie. I just, I, I'm going to have to come visit you in Florida and we're going to have to watch it that way. Oh, you know it. I think you will love this movie. So the comedy comes from a lot of different scenes. Case in point, there's one scene in particular that the first time I watched this, myself and my roommate at the time, we had to pause the movie because we died laughing so hard for about five to ten minutes. Case in point, we're not, without going into spoilers, there's a character that can transform into another animal, except they can't quite get it 100%. They get about 90% of the way there. And the visual comedy that that brings up is both horrifying and hysterical at the same time. 
Oh man, I just my brain goes to all kinds of places with that. So that's yep, it's it's a sad. I'm just gonna I'm literally gonna go buy a plane ticket. I'm gonna come visit you for like a day and we'll watch the just movie to see this movie. Yeah, that, that that's all. That's all that's gonna happen. <laughs> Even then, it it's probably worth it. Oh yeah, I'll <laughs> I'll pay a hundred and something bucks for for a five dollar movie. <laughs> But so the real problem of the movie comes when they more or less indoctrinate a new vampire to teach them all about modern life, except he can't keep his mouth shut about the fact that they're vampires. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And didn't you say that isn't there like a like a like they they play on the 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 war between vampires and werewolves. Oh my goodness! Yes, there is a turf war, an ongoing centuries-old turf war between vampires and werewolves. And yes, the werewolves are in fact getting a sequel movie called Werewolves, like apostrophe R E wolves. I hate, I hate you so. Much. I'm not even joking. It's coming. Oh. <laughs> Well, hey, maybe I just need to wait for the sequel to come out. The whole then, universe actually is getting expansive. There's a spinoff TV show. There's these two cops that are more or less more bumbling versions of the two cops from Hot Fuzz. <laughs> like, these two cops are idiots, but they're wonderful. They're getting a spinoff show, if they haven't already. So this this film is starting to get a bit of a cult following, and a pretty loyal following at that, and it's... Well, well deserved, Josh. I will find it and I'll make a way for you to see this because I believe in this movie so strongly and it is so funny. It it's what made me want to see Thor Ragnarok before it even came out. I was like, I trust this guy's work. I like his comedy. I want to see what he does with Thor. Sure enough, he made a great Thor movie. Probably easily the best Thor movie. Oh, what, uh, but then again. It's not hard to be better than the first two. Oh, yeah, especially Dark World. Well, I I got a couple more um, underrated ones, but Josh, any underrated Halloween or horror movies that you got off the top of your head? Um, off the top of my head, um, I think that's what, when we were discussing this topic, I brought this movie up. It's called uh, Under the Mask. Um, I can't remember who makes it, who directs it, who's, who's in it, whatever. My ex showed me this movie. When, obviously when we were together and I have fallen in love with it it is uh, so Under the Mask is about uh, a group of college kids who were doing like a documentary film I think I can't remember if it's for school or if they're just doing it for fun but they find this guy who says he's a serial killer and they don't believe him and it, it, in a lot of ways like you don't either you don't buy in on it but um and so they just kind of follow him and, you know, video his process and stuff like that. It's just really interesting. And it, it, it kind of like Tucker and Dale, it's a different perspective on a slasher. So like make your slasher like really charismatic and like you actually want to like spend time with him, but also you're kind of scared of him because he's kind of capable of some stuff, some stuff. So it's just, it, 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 and do it in a way that's like, like The Office as well. <laughs> it's it's smorgasbord, smorgas smorgas but it's a lot of fun and definitely worth checking out. Hmm. I gotta I think see you, if you, I can you, find that. Is, uh, has heard of it as well. Hmm? I think Heather has heard of it. I wouldn't be Heather surprised. She always kind of amazes me with she'll just randomly have heard or know of a movie and they'll be like, what? how did you know about that? I haven't even heard about that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's why we're a good team. It works. Exactly. Um, I'm trying to think of any others that are underrated per se, because, um, gee, because uh, there's a lot of movies that I just absolutely love, but then other people like them too. So I guess that doesn't make them underrated. Well, while you're thinking, I got one that I always claim is one of the most unfairly treated and very underappreciated. We talked about it last week kind of briefly, but I wanted to go more in depth with it here. Um, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, I still think is easily the most underrated in the whole Halloween franchise and one of the more underrated just 
horror films and Halloween, the holiday films in general. This film gets a lot of hate, rightly so, because of a misleading marketing campaign that um, people got the impression that Michael Myers would be there because it's a Halloween film. He's nowhere to be seen. In fact, they even show Halloween, the movie, being shown on TV in the movie to show you that this is a different universe. However, the movie itself is one of the best and one of the most Halloween-esque in terms of celebrating the roots of Halloween, of, like, the witchcraft and the dark... The dark holiday of Halloween. Um, Like, it's... It's very witchcraft heavy. It's Halloween heavy, like masks, candy, trick or treating, all plays a big factor in this. It's a creepy movie, but it's still really good. If it wasn't Halloween, if it was just literally titled Season of the Witch with no Halloween 3 attached to it, I think people would like a lot better nowadays, to be honest. Mm, that's fair. Um, yeah, it's kind of gotten a little bit of a cult following now that people have taken a step back and and, and seen it um, and look at it from the perspective not n- expecting Michael Myers to be in it. It's getting more of a positive reception, but still to this day, a lot of people are scared off because there's no Michael Myers, and I'd say check it out. It's kinda easily the most brutal death in any Halloween movie. Well, that is until some of the deaths in this new one. Um, Josh, did you get a chance to see the new Halloween yet? No. Ah, we'll talk about it next week. But let's just say, oh, there's some brutal deaths in this in this new Halloween. I thought Rob Zombie's Halloween was brutal, but this one, oh gosh. So, um, so because I I'm a visual person, and sometimes I just need to see. Yes, you uh, see like a list of movies, right? A, a list of movies to kind of remember some. Um, I haven't seen it, but I, I have actually heard very good things about it. Uh, Tusk. Oh yeah. I've heard the Kevin Smith movie. Very good. Yeah. And very terrifying as well. So I'll have to, I I really want to go check that one out at some point. Yeah. I'm always a little worried when comedians make horror movies, not because I fear they're going to be bad, but because I'm afraid of how terrifying they will be because comedians have dark sides. Yes, I agree. Um. Oh, uh, oh. 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 Yes. As above, so below. Oh, that's not where I was going. But go on. I love that movie. It's uh, okay. Because so anybody that has a conversation with me knows that I am not a fan of found footage films, and I think there's Agreed. very few of them that do do it very well. The visit. This one. Yeah, the visit. Uh, this is one of them. Um, for those who haven't seen it, it's about a team of explorers that venture into the catacombs beneath like some streets in Paris and then un- uncover some dark secrets and stuff like that. But like, it's not just dark secrets. Like, Ooh, like the Knights Templar did this kind of stuff, blah, blah, blah. Ooh, the Kingslayer. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, King Cover Slayer. Um, but it's also stuff about your character's past and like, you start to see like, okay, well, this this thing's messing with them just as much as they're trying to get into it. It's a, it's a very good movie. I, it's definitely worth a watch. I think we like those Dante's Inferno horror movies. I agree, but I don't. As part of that, I think to me is just because the the descent makes sense. Mm. Like it, it makes sense to to go through these different le- levels of emotion, which now that I'm thinking about it, uh, on this co- topic of of uh, you know movies devolving into certain topics, uh, to me, and because I I haven't heard a lot of people like this movie, but um, the Babadook. I love the Babadook, that I, dude. That sits at like ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? Okay. So everybody that I've talked to hates it outside of you and me. You have uncultured swine. I would agree because to me, I had this like, I don't know about you. When I, when I saw Babadook, I was about 10, 15 minutes in and I realized what the movie was about Mm -hmm. and and that it's not about 
the Babadook. And I it's was like, about something else. Babadook is yeah. a metaphor for something else. Exactly. And so, like, I literally... Which is far scarier it, like, than any slasher. Oh, yeah. And stopped it, like, 15, 20 minutes in. It was like, had this almost, not emotional breakdown, but just like, holy crap, this movie's taking about to take me on a ride. Stopped the movie. We started it with that knowledge and just watched it from the from the beginning, and I was like, "Oh, oh, this is so good!" Like, oh, yeah. gosh, that, I don't know if I'll consider Babadook underrated just because of the critical acclaim that it's got. It didn't do very well at the box office, but it did get a lot of critical praise. I will agree with you, though. It is one of the best horror movies of recent memory. It's not terrifying in what you see; it's terrifying what it implies, and just it's very. It is very real and human in its storytelling and very visceral. I agree. And I think the common thread you and I have is that a horror movie doesn't have to have a lot of blood to be scary. It doesn't have to have... To me, less is better. It doesn't have to have jump scares to be scary. You don't even have to have a monster. Like... Just the idea, like, for me, the perfect example is Babadook. Because, yeah, there's a monster. Yeah, it does some weird things that don't quite make sense if you, like, take it to the monster world. But because it's not about the monster, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. So it's just, it's about something greater. And I love stories. At the end of the day, I like stories. Tell me a good story and I'm down, no matter what happens. Exactly. Um, I talked about this earlier, and I thought this was where you were going. Uh, I said comedians have dark sides, and this immediately made me think of Robin Williams' vastly underrated film, One Whoa. Hour Photo. Yes, nobody, I have I have yet to meet anybody that has heard or seen of that film. But it the people so that have good. seen it are like, dude, see One Hour Photo, because it is not, I repeat, not the Robin Williams you think you know. Oh, man. And I think that's part of the reason it makes it so weird and makes it, like, you as the audience member so uncomfortable. It's because I think this came out at the same time as, like, Good Will Hunting and... Uh, maybe uh, a, a few years after that. I think this was early yeah, 2000s. But, yeah, but that, that still proves, that holds my point of... That that's the Robin Williams, the, the very funny, the very dramatic, very caring and awesome, like like role model type figure. So and then you throw him in this role, it it makes you very uncomfortable. So um, for those of you who may not know, one hour photo is this movie about Robin Williams' character, who never loses his cool. He's literally the most calm and collected. It's almost like Robin Williams got Mr. Rogers' mannerisms of very quiet, subdued, but not Mr. Rogers. Trust us. Um, He works at a one-hour photo, more or less at like a CVS-type place, developing photos for people. Um, There's one family that's been having him develop his photos for a lot of years, and he has more or less been stalking them from the sidelines, um, like just remembering their photos and kind of living vicariously. He's living this life vicariously through them. So when things start going wrong in that family, mentally he snaps and starts taking things into his own hands. And it's very invasive and uncomfortable. And it, it, it makes you realize it's, it can be a very scary world out there, and there are very creepy people that it would not be hard for them to get a hold of your life. Yes. But I agree. It, like you said, the creepiest thing about this is that it is Robin Williams who were used to being manic, high energy, fun, exuberant. He is none of those. He's quiet, subdued, passive uncomfortably quiet and staring. There is one scene in particular, um, a dream sequence. I still, to this day, this is one of the biggest jump scares ever, but it isn't a jump scare, but it makes me just terrified. Yes. I remember us getting in trouble because we all screamed at like two in the morning. (laughs) 
in a room in a dorm room and we all like screamed and woke up our our, our a <laughs> but it, it it's such a good scene and a really good underappreciated movie that i don't know if it falls into it's not a halloween movie but i don't know if i'd go full to horror either it's a terrifying thriller that has a yeah. lot of horrifying elements to it josh any last minute additions you want to add to this list um, I got a couple of ones that I have heard are very good, but I haven't had the chance to see. Uh, there's Good Night Mommy. It's that movie about um the twin boys that I have their seen. Mom it. Had... it is good. Yeah. Okay. That, it's, cool. It's very similar to Babadook. Okay, that's what I, I that the trailer gave me that that feeling. So I'll, I'll, that's one of those ones I want to see. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Is that that? Good Goodbye Mommy is one of those ones that I... That, ter- that I, trailer. I the oh. trailer, and it always makes me uncomfortable, and I always want to see it. Um, I'm trying to think, man. 2006 uh, oh, is Wicker Man. Can, yes, well, just watch Wicker Man. It's just fun. It really is. For those listening, that's I mean, the Nicolas Cage one. I'm totally joking. However, I will say it's one of the best comedies ever. It's just so entertaining. It, uh, if you're watching movies to be entertained, Nicolas Cage is your guy. Um, oh, what was it? I just had one that I... Uh, oh, I think I've said it on this pod before, um, but there's a TV show that I don't know what the technical, like, actual name of the TV show is, but they did a season called Channel Zero, and it's based off I of the... I thought that was the show of, name. Yeah, well, see, and that's what I thought too. But it's made by the same people that do, and they do, they do like a American Horror Story thing where each season is different, but it's all like on the same kind of show. So I don't, I've got to, do, I've always say I got to do more research. But the only one I've seen so far is uh, Channel Zero, and it's very good. Um, what else was there? There was a TV show called um, Blood Blood Race, if I remember right. It's about cars that uh, oh that yeah run yeah yeah blood. yeah run on blood yeah and there's only one season and there's not going to be another one because they canceled it but um, it's very very good very grindhouse um, very mature like if you're weak of heart or you're not really big into sexual images or anything like that don't, don't watch it but if you very, have blood pressure good. back knee or yes. leg issues. It's it's very good. Oh, by the way, Nathan, I wanted to say that I was thinking about you the other day because uh, I was at the bar, as I you know do from time to time, probably too often. So, but, so um, looking forward to where this is going. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you're going to cringe here in a second. So I'm drinking or whatever with my buddy Russell and because there's a bar around the corner from our, our, my, our house that we go to that it's just this little spot it's really nice um and they have tvs and they play uh, on one tv they're playing um it was monday they had raw going and so that was the reason we were there because at the time we didn't have a way to watch raw so we're watching raw and i look over and tbs is on uh on that that they're on the the tbs channel and they show horror movies during this season and the Evil Dead remake was on. Ah, uh, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I think of that movie. I think of you anytime that movie comes up in conversation, for very specific reasons that I won't repeat. For uh, because I know I've <laughs> very little in my life, but there is a. It's not even a kill. There is an injury in the Evil Dead that. Even before something happened to my own personal life, I was twin, twin, uh, queasy about this specific part of the body. And it hap- something happens to the main character in Evil Dead that happens to this body part. And I'm just, ah, to this day, just, no. Yeah, but I just, you know, figured I, I, wa- I wanted to <laughs> give you that memory <laughs> really quick. But also to let you know that I was thinking about you, so. Also, <laughs> I actually... Enjoy the Evil Dead remake. Oh, I do too. Just not that part. <laughs> yeah, because no, it's agree. right where my injury is, and uh, 
Yeah, I got you, man. I got you. The only also, clip that I have about that movie is that there's scenes in the trailer that are really, really good and really creepy that aren't. Yeah, I. Excuse me. Evil Dead remake is one of the few times that a remake was done right. They updated enough stuff, but they left enough of the classic material that it worked for me. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything else currently, so I think that might wrap us up, Josh, unless you have any closing thoughts. Absolutely not, man. Hey, this is this is a season that will always be near and dear to my heart, and a lot of that is just because of all the memories you and I have together. So it's basically every October, you I I start missing you a lot more as a friend, obviously, um, because this was always the season you and I would watch a lot of movies. So just know that I missed you, man. And, miss you too, um, man. No, no. Uh, I, I do have Wi-Fi now, so you better believe we're going to get on and play some some games. All right. Sweet. Sounds good. Well, I think we got one more Halloween-themed episode next week before we get back to your regularly scheduled movie news and discussion. Um, But, yeah. Subscribe to whatever video, audio channel you're discovering us on. Um, And, yeah. Stay sharp, movie guys and gals.